Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're carrying on today with our series on personal devotion. And wasn't last week just wonderful, the panel? Seriously good. I've watched that three times. I don't know what you've done. I've watched it three times because I want to learn. I want to learn from people. I want to learn first and foremost from the Spirit of God and the Word of God, but I want to learn from people. When you lose that hunger of learning for people, you've lost your progress in God. Because we grow by being around people. We grow by learning from one another. We grow by spending time in God's presence and, and by understanding how God has worked with people, whether it's somebody in the Bible or whether it's somebody sitting alongside you today. We grow by learning from people. This is why isolation is so deadly. It's deadly, deadly, deadly. You cannot be a Christian sitting on your couch watching TV. It's great as an alternative if you're on shifts or you're in workplace or you can't get or you're, you're in a prison cell somewhere or you're in a place where there's no church. Wonderful. What a great tool we have being online all over this world, but online is not church. Hello? Online is not church. Online is observing a group of people gathering together and being blessed and receiving from it. You can hear teaching online. You can hear a message. I've, got over, I've still got over a thousand tapes preaching tapes and I've got a tape recorder next to my bed call me old fashioned I don't care <laughs> but this is rich this is the presence of God this is this is spending time with one another and with God a part of eternity is not that we're just going to be standing in the presence of God worshipping God it's that we're going to be spending eternity with each other And because of what God does in our lives, that's not second best. It's God in us and us in God. And just knowing the glory of God is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So as we carry on today, last week was just wonderful. Thank you to all those who took part. And the week before, I spoke on prayer. And prayer is something we could talk about all year. I mean, you hardly scratch the surface when you give it 40 minutes on a Sunday. But prayer is is our communication with God. And then the week before that, we talked about the Word of God. How His Word is living and active, and the Word was God, and the Word is God. And all things were created by the Word, and God upholds all things by the power of His Word. And we have the privilege of having the Word in print. The Bible. And the Bible speaks to us, and the Bible heals us, and the Bible provides for us because it's God's word if you're living and active. <clears throat> Today I want to talk about the heart of worship. The heart of worship. <clears throat> Foundational. But not just a foundation. It's the flow of life that flows through the believer is worship. Um, these are cliches, but they're so, 
they're so important. Worship is more than a service. More than a song. More than a favorite CD, worship CD. It's really quite simply the place of the most intimate spiritual relationship that we have with the God of our salvation who so works in our lives that we are before him in absolute abandonment, adoration. We sang this morning, we love you, adore you. That is the most powerful word that I know really. To adore, perhaps that word doesn't really do it for you. There will be a word that does. But adoration to me is total, overwhelming, understanding, intimacy with the God that is so big, he's beyond comprehension, and yet by his spirit we can know him. And because we see him in all his purity, in all his glory, in all his greatness, there is no other response than a response of worship. Adoration. <clears throat> I'm not just speaking today about being filled with a charismatic experience. With just a service time for 30 minutes or as I say, your favorite song or what you enjoy to do, but it's, it's about being so completely one, being so completely devoted to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> that everything around us, there's a passage that I've spoken from many times over 30-something years of preaching, <clears throat> where the Apostle Paul says this, I consider everything around me as dung for the sake of knowing Christ. It's a paraphrase, but that, that's it. So I press in to the high call, and we can apply that high call to all sorts of things. I've heard people preach for years, and I've preached myself. You have your high call, your low call. You can have, you know, you're hearing God's voice for yourself. But let's just make it really simple today. When you see God in his glory, when you know God, I'm not just talking about know about God or go to church, but when you know God, everything else fades away into the place of extreme. That God is awesome and wonderful and everything else is like dung in comparison with who God is. And how great God is. You see, there's no little, well, God's there in my life and then my family's there. Yeah. I'm sorry, you, you ain't seen God yet. You know, God's there and my job's there. God's there and the church vision is there. No, when you understand who God is, God is great. You see, our English language is a wonderful language. It's very descriptive. It's got so many words in it. It's very, very powerful language. 
but even our English language falls way short of declaring who God is. The only way I can declare who God is is to get into tongues. No wonder in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell, it said they had a praise time, but they weren't speaking in their known language. They were speaking with tongues. Other people understood what they were saying. I'm not getting into the theology of tongues right now, but the point is this. When God overwhelmed them with how great he was, that the church was born on that day, everything the devil feared suddenly exploded into life. In the people of the body of Christ, no longer just the head Jesus, but now that same life, that same power, that same anointing, that same presence, that same fire was now in normal human beings. The only response that the physical frame had was to pour out from the Spirit in other tongues. Because our language falls so far short. Here in the fourth chapter of John, verses 19 to 24, it says, And this lady says to him, the woman says to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that over in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, Woman, you need to believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. For God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is looking for worshippers. God is looking for worshippers. God ignores a lot of stuff that goes on, but he's looking for worshippers. You can put that with the wonderful script to the eyes of the Lord, go to and fro across the earth, seeking out people that he can show himself strong to and through. I like to put those together. God will show himself strong to worshippers. Because the people he sees are worshippers. This is a powerful passage of scripture in so many ways. God is spirit. Those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. But why is it then so many people are looking for a mountain or a place to worship God? Perhaps it's not Jerusalem for you, but perhaps it's this room. Perhaps it's that, the beach by the sea. Oh, that's where I can really worship God. Perhaps it's the mountain where you love to walk. That's where I can really worship God. You see, 
we've covered things about prayer and the word. And I, I'm very aware that there are gray areas. And, no, that's not the word. Overlapping, blurred edges, edges. How do you know if it's prayer or worship? Yeah? How do you know if it's prayer or worship? How do you know if you're spending time in the word or that's turned into a worship time? Well, there aren't supposed to be hard and fast lines of separation. This is relationship. Word, prayer and worship. Word, prayer and worship. But I understand there are places where it's easier for us to read the word of God. Absolutely. Absolutely, there are places where it's easier for us to pray because we can focus on some of the most wonderful things, especially came out in the panel last week. You know what? I really find I can get into that place of prayer when I'm out there or when I'm doing this. Wonderful. That's, that's a wonderful thing. But worship is so much deeper than a place where we find it easy. That's great for prayer and we love it when it's prayer and there are places where I can pray so much more effectively. That's wonderful. God wants us to, to find these places of prayer. That's why I called last week the place of prayer. The week before last. But today when we're talking about worship, we need to get our eyes and our mind off a mountain or a city of Jerusalem or a building called Citygate Church in southeast London. Or that special room where we are. It's far, far, far greater than that. Far greater than that. Jesus knocked it right out the ballpark when he said, it's not going to be that mountain and it's not going to be the temple mount. It's going to be spirit and it's going to be truth. That's what it is for the believer. Spirit and truth. When we worship God and are in the place of worship, we break down barriers. They break. Veils are torn. Not the veil, that was torn 2,000 years ago. But, but things that are barriers and hindrances between us and our life with God, walls fall down. In the place of worship, Psalm 132 verse 7. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. His footstool is not here in this building. His footstool is not in your car. His footstool is not in Jerusalem or on the mountain. His footstool is in his throne room. What is worship? What is worship? What is, well, the Old Testament, there's a word, shakar. We have the English word translated to uh, worship, but what shakar means, it means to prostrate yourself. To lie out before God in his presence. In the New Testament, we have kagad, which means to fall down. Not fall over. Fall down as an act of your will, as a response to how great he is. I just can't stand here anymore. I've just got to fall down. I've got to worship. I've got to humble myself and 
exalt Jesus Christ. You find it all the way through the Bible. God turns up, people fall down. Sometimes God knocks them over. (laughs) We have another word, proskuneo, which means to prostrate yourself towards. So not just to lie down, but to, to prostrate towards. There's a direction involved. Worship is our love response to God for who he is. Worship is an intimate relationship. It's selfless. You see, we have words, and I get it, because there are results of worship. There are consequences of worship. But in its essence, when we worship God, it's not to get anything. He's already given us all things for life and godliness in Christ. And when we are in that place of worship, we receive and we are transformed. And I've got some things to say about some of these things. But worship in itself is selfless. It's not for what I can get, it's what I can give. It's what I can give. It's from the heart, Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are miles away. It's not a sacrifice of worship. Ah, now I'd love to get into this. I do a whole like three hour seminar on praise and worship. There's a sacrifice of praise because praise demands from your flesh. What does it demand? It demands that you clap. It demands, I'm talking about the demand on your flesh. It demands that you clap. It demands that you jump. It demands that you spin around. It demands that you shout. That's what the word rejoice means. I don't care if you're British, French, German, American, African. What? It doesn't matter what you are. We've all got flesh. This hasn't got anything to do with personality. We're doing the whole personality seminar. Can I just say, everybody needs to do that if you've not done it. And if you have done it, I've I've probably done it 15, 20 times now. And it's so powerful. You want to be Christ-like, you need to understand where your starting point is. And what God's given you to work with. But no matter what personality you've got, you've still got the same flesh. And to praise God is a demand that it places on ourselves whether we feel like it or whether we don't. I'm going to shout and clap and spin around and dance and, and, and everything else it says to praise and to rejoice in God. Can't praise God in your heart. Completely unscriptural. You can praise God from your heart, but you cannot praise God without doing something. Praise is an action. Scripturally, I'd love to... Teach on this for an hour right now. Because people think, oh, I'm praising God in my heart. Impossible. I'm rejoicing in my heart. Totally impossible. It's an action every time. The words in the Bible actually are doing words, not attitude words. But when we praise God in the dance, it's because we're praising God from our heart. It's important where it comes from. But it's important that it gets out. That's like saying, I love people, and you never do anything for anyone. (laughs) Fat lot of good that is. (laughs) Amen. 
for God so loved he gave. You say you love someone, you do something for them. It's not just an attitude, oh, I'm just loving them in my heart. No, you're loving them from your heart by going and doing their lawn or cleaning their car or buying their shopping or forgiving them or whatever it is. There's an act of love. If you say you love somebody but don't help them and serve them, the Bible talks very strongly about that stuff. Love is an action. So is praise and worship. It's an action. There are things we need to do. It's not a sacrifice of, it's a sacrifice of praise, not of worship. Because to be a, to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth, the Bible says we are a living sacrifice. It's not a sacrificial act. It comes from a place of a life that is sacrificed. Worship involves bowing down and singing, raising our hands. But how many of you know we can do all the doing stuff and not have worshipped God? We've just done the doing stuff. It's that intimate place where we love, where we thank, where we adore, where we celebrate, where we submit. It's that place where... We release the floods from our heart of appreciation and thankfulness to a God who has treasured our salvation more than the life of his only son. So as, as I was thinking and just really in the presence of God about this today, I really believe I got this statement from God. Christianity is not a dead and dry I think we've got this on the screen. It's not dead and dry. Filled with... Sorry, this is moving me today. Filled with just stuff of doing and showing. Rather, it's the wonderful pouring out of our love and adoration towards our Father God who has treasured our salvation more than the life of His own Son. And as a result, as a result, we live to demonstrate his love for mankind. Sure. Meditate on that. So how do we worship God in our personal devotion? Because this is not a theory series. This is a, this is, how, how can I get in the Bible better series? How can I pray better series? Well, I want to know how can I worship better? How can I do this? How can I be a worshipper in spirit and in truth? Worship goes hand in hand with, with, with God's word, with prayer. But worship is centered on Jesus Christ. As we worship him, as we worship the Father, as the Holy Spirit reveals in us who God is and what God has done. The result is worship. I believe as we spend more time in the Word, we will worship more, better, deeper, higher, wider, more anointed. As we spend time in prayer, our worship will be deeper and greater and wider and higher. And yet as we worship, our time in the Word will be richer. 
and our time in prayer will be more just in line and anointed and led by the Holy Ghost. So these things all go hand in hand, but let's, let's just go through some keys that I believe are going to be really, really important for us as we go forwards. Number one, prepare a place. Prepare a place. Now here am I saying, it's not the mountain or Jerusalem. It's not the room. And that's exactly what I'm saying. The place of worship is first and foremost an environment of faith. It's an environment of faith. It's an environment, see faith is not just about I believe for the impossible. No, faith is our relationship with God. It's a place of faith, whether we feel like it, whether we feel it, whether we don't feel it, whether we are in that place of overwhelming adoration or whether we're not. When faith starts to move, we're in the realm of the Spirit. See, this is why the realm of the spirit can be such a dangerous place if you ain't got any faith. Hello? Such a day. You see, it's real for everybody. There's a realm of the spirit. But if we release our faith, we know we're in the right place. To be in that place of faith, to be in that place of no, this is real. See, faith is not blind faith. Believe it, I can't see anything. No, faith is knowing. Yes. Faith is something so powerful that everything else is transformed. We know, I mean, I'm, we're, this is a faith church. We're, I'm a faith preacher. Call me what you want to call me. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. Yeah. The evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God can't come before God and not please him <laughs> worst place to be this is why people who pray unbelief prayers you're right in the presence of God that's the last place to start releasing your unbelief that's the place to declare faith and I don't feel like it I'm just being real no you're being stupid <laughs> oh God oh God this oh God that oh God this oh God that no come on get a grip get hold of the word of God and say come on flesh in Jesus name you gotta shut up Feelings, you don't count here in the presence of God. I'm going to get hold of some grace right now to deal with you, to deal with my mind, take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ, get my eyes firmly fixed on Him. Not on my, I'm not coming into God and just having a fleshy time that I've been having all week. This is going to be life-changing. By faith in Jesus' name. Read a psalm. Read a psalm. Get hold of something that is going to stir faith. It's a place of celebration. It's a place of magnification. It's a place of declaring the greatness of God. It's a place of declaring the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a place where we declare the greatness of the name Jehovah God. See, can you feel faith already arising in this place? It's like, boom. You start to declare the blood and the name and the word of God and how great thou art. 
your flesh fades away. Everything else becomes like dung for the sake of the glory and the power of Almighty God. Prepare a place by faith. I'm going to worship God, not about how I feel. I'm going to worship God because of who He is. Because of who He is and what He's done in my life. What's the second thing? It's a, a revealing of God's love. How do we worship God? Through a revelation of God's love. 1 John 4:19. We love because He first loved us. If worship is one of the outworkings of our love for God, then to love God more, we got to know how much He loves us. See, people who struggle knowing that they love God, and I don't know if I really love Him, you don't know how much you're loved. Because when you know how much you are loved by God, the only response, because this is spirit to spirit. We're not talking emotion and personality here. When you know in your heart how much you're loved by God, the only response is a love response back. Yes. The only response is, God, I love you. Yes. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. Worship is easy when we know his love. You can trust God that it is safe to be open in his presence. God will never betray you. He will never abuse you. He will never make fun of you. He will never intimidate you. God is love. His grace is all-powerful. His mercy is all-forgiving. When you come before God in shame because of what you've done, you don't know how much God loves you. Oh, but Pastor Jay, when I sin, I feel condemned and I feel, yeah, absolutely, of course we know when we've wronged. But I never feel rejected by my Heavenly Father. Never, never, never. This is why when you get it wrong, you run to God, not from Him. If you run from God, you don't know the love of God. We taught our children, we were speaking to somebody just the other day, when our kids get it wrong, get it wrong. 27, 20 and 16, I think we passed a lot of this, but when they used to get it wrong, we never said, you go to your room. Never did we tell them to get away from us. You're, all you're teaching is love. When you get it wrong, love rejects. Never, never, never once get away from our presence. When you get it wrong, come to me. Come to me. Come here. Give me a hug. They might not feel like that. Because getting it right or wrong never affects the parental love. Never, never. Now, there's discipline and all the rest of it. We understand that. Never send a child away. And our God never sends us away. And so many Christians, because of a wrong mentality of, of um, even forgiveness and repentance, means when I get it wrong, oh, I can't go to church because I sinned last night. You need to get there. You need to get That's the one place you can go. You go to God. 
He wants to have a strong word with us, absolutely. But you know it's in love. Oh, this, there's so much in this. Never ashamed in his presence. A great prayer to pray is God, Holy Spirit, reveal again just how much God loves me. If you're struggling in worship, make that your prayer. God, reveal to me how much you love me. Reveal to me how much I am loved by God. The world is seeking acceptance on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. There's only one place I want to get it. And I know I've got the fullness of that in the very presence of God. The third thing is we need to see God in his glory. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Can you see that word? Fear? Let's all say that word. Fear. Wow, it's almost like, wow, in City Gate, we are perfect love casts out fear. This is New Testament, guys. It says when we're in the presence of God, something happens called fear. Not scared, but fear. The fear of the Lord. For our God is a consuming fire. Ezekiel tells us God is a fire from the waist up and fire from the waist down. He's a ball of fire. On the top of Mount Carmel, fire fell. When the glory of the Lord filled the temple, fire fell. Ah, oh, it's all Old Testament, Pastor Jay. When the church was born, fire fell. Our God is a consuming fire. Worship Him in the amazing, overwhelming reality of His holiness. There is a reverence and a godly fear that goes with the intimacy of his love. His fire will touch our lives and bring a godly fear. Even though I know him as dad, I can't mess around in his presence. Doesn't mean to say you can't have fun in church. We have loads of fun in church. We have a right laugh and so we should. But when I'm in, in the throne room, it's not the place to mess around. That's the place to bow down. That's the place to get on your knees. See, bowing down is so vital. The word means to bow down. The word actually means to be flat on your face. That's what worship, the word means. That may not be very city gate. That may not be very charismatic or Pentecostal that may be more in other Christian traditions but it's in all of our Bible to bow down before the Lord with a godly fear a reverence fall on your knees lie on your face not from a place of false humility it's not from a place of God I'm a worm if ever you're on your face because God I'm a worm can I just say get up hold your head up and be confident and bold. Doesn't say lie down on your face because of what you are. It says lie down on your face because of who he is. Yes. See, this is where the spirit of worship and religion are poles apart. They both may be on their face, 
One is out of shame because of I'm just unworthy. I'm just a mess. I'm just nothing. I'm just a nobody. Oh, dearie me, you need to get saved then. Because when you're saved, you're born again, you become a somebody. You become a child of God, an heir of salvation. You become the temple of the Holy Ghost. You become the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You become the one that everything you put your hand to prospers. You become the one that can walk with a boldness and a confidence into God's throne room. Not in a place of repentance, but in a place of salvation. Hallelujah. But when we get in the throne room, it's time to get on our face. And worship God for who He is. Greatness will bow down to awesomeness. Wow. It's the next one, number four. Let's let the rivers flow. Thank you, Joyce. Let's let the rivers flow. John 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last day, the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, Saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified when we worship God we are in the place of drinking in his presence in order to pour out our worship let the rivers flow don't be a dry creek bank don't be a desert place people say oh I'm going through the desert and what they mean is I've I've let the desert inside me I don't care if you're in a desert hey Turn it into a spring, the Bible says. Jesus was in the desert in full flood, defeating the devil. The desert is a wonderful place to be. Just don't be dry inside. Doesn't matter if the ground around me is soaking or if the ground around me is dry. The river comes out of here. Worship comes out of here doesn't flow from the outside in we don't need a mountain we don't need a building we don't need the temple the river comes from in here pouring out and it's expressive it's not a trickle it's not just a little blip it's a flood of worship it's not emotion but it's very emotional. It's very emotional. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What's the conclusion then Paul writes? I will pray with my spirit and I'll pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I love David in the Bible. Wow, what a an amazing, amazing, amazing man. Got it very wrong, got it very right. Jesus sits on the throne of his father David. He's that important in the kingdom of God. And when the ark came back in, he said, I'm taking off my royal robes 
I'm taking off everything that identifies me as special and I'm going to be like everybody else so no one else has an excuse. Got down to his boxers and went for it for 25 miles. 25 miles. Some of you do marathons. He did a praise marathon that day. And when he got close to his home, his wife was looking out the window. Said, well, how disgusting are you? Who do you think you are? Put your identity back on. Put who you are in your flesh back on. Because that's just vulgar what you've done today. All the common girls. Everybody can see you as normal. And he said, I'm going to be more vulgar yet, girl. Because I don't worship God because of who I am in my flesh. I worship God because the ark is coming back in. Tabernacle of praise is being set up. And he worshipped God. He spun around and danced. No wonder she was barren. Never produced any fruit in her life. Bible says she was barren. Why? Because unfruitfulness is always born from the place of cynicism. Always. I don't know. Do you ever think, oh, that person's an embarrassment when they worship God? Oh, I wish they'd calm down a bit. Well, perhaps it's time to turn that around and say, I wish I'd stir up a bit. going to celebrate something then party party go for it don't be the grump in the corner sitting there saying well I'm partying in my heart <laughs> if you're going to give give big God doesn't need a tip he needs generosity if you're going to yield then give him everything everything give him a little bit give him everything if you're going to repent then get cleaned up in every area hello I repent of that little thing but no I like doing that so oh God I'm in repentance today and I'm just going to repent of that and God said I want to talk to you about that yeah no I'm repenting of this Lord dear God let his blood wash through Let some contrition set in a little bit. Say, God, I lay aside the sin and the weights, the whole lot. If you're going to worship God, then get on your face. Wow. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord God, our Maker. Finally, as we close today, there is a progression of worship. Psalm 138 verse 2 says this, I will worship towards your holy temple. Here I am saying it's not a temple or a physical place. It's the presence of God. 
I will worship towards your holy temple. I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. This doesn't just mean to say, where's the temple? Get my compass out. I'm aiming that way. And I'm going to worship. No. The word there is actually towards. I'm moving towards. It's not just a direction. It's a movement. It's a momentum. See, people all over the world think they've got to worship in a certain direction, towards a certain place on a compass, on a map. It's not what our word is talking about here. It's saying, you know what? As you worship God, you're moving towards. You're moving towards. Not a physical direction, but that place in the spirit of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Worship is never static. It's not stagnant. It doesn't stand still. It's a living expression of a growing relationship. We worship towards, moving towards. It's higher today than it was yesterday. It's broader today than it was last week. It's far deeper today than it was last year. It's stronger today than it's ever been before. It's moving towards. Perhaps we've been standing still. Perhaps we've moved away. Perhaps it's just become a favorite song. Perhaps it's time to come back. Perhaps it's time to move forwards. Thank you, band, if you'd like to come up. Let's all stand to our feet today. There is an anointing here today to take us further and to take us far deeper into worshipping God in spirit and in truth. of moved backwards to leave the place of stagnation or lack of emotion when's the last time you wept in the presence of God time you bowed down in the presence of God because of how awesome he is
And all is stripped away And I simply come Why don't you come to the altar this morning? Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of words. It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. you to come to the altar today to say God I'm coming back I want to take one more step towards the presence of God I'm coming back to the heart of 
Let's reach. Come on, let's reach into God this morning. He's seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And Lord, we're here today. Lord God, because we want to move forwards. We want to move forwards, God. We don't want to stay where we are. We want to, Lord, to have a greater understanding of who you are, know more of your love, know what it is to say I'm a worshipper. Lord, we want to go deeper. We want to pour out greater worship, greater adoration, Lord, than we've ever done before. Lord, not as a show for the people around us, God, but because we have a revelation of how much you love us and what you've done, how awesome you are, almighty God. Lord, where it truly is all about you, Jesus. Lord, where we've stripped off our respectability, we've stripped off our pride in what we've achieved, where we strip off, God, our show, Lord, that we are just open before you and declaring your greatness and your wonder. Holy Spirit, fill us again in the Spirit. Fill us again, Spirit of God, that we would be those that the Father is seeking. Lord, that it's not just about a place or a a song or an attitude, God, but it's a place in the Spirit, God, where we're adoring You, totally overwhelmed, Heavenly Father, with Your greatness and Your love, Your mercy, we worship you today heavenly father we worship you because you love us because we can see you as you are maybe dimly right now but God we know how wonderful you are how great you are great God Jehovah we exalt you in this house we exalt you Lord Come on, why are you singing the Holy Ghost today? We
Father God, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, for igniting a fire, fanning into flame a deeper desire, a higher call, a greater understanding of just who you are. Wonderful to me. Beautiful to me, marvelous, majestic. Thank you, God, for the grace to carry your presence with us. Lord, that we don't just have a worship time, but we live to worship. We breathe to worship. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. We, we need to close the service right now and we need to relieve our children's workers as quick as we can, really.
But can I just encourage you to not look for the mountain, not look for the building, but breathe worship of God through your life. But have times of worship. Turn the TV off and put on something. Turn stuff off. Let the presence of God fill your life in a fresh way. Because God's looking for you this week. He's looking for me this week. Let's let him find us easily. Amen. God bless you.